You are now listening to Soul Power to the People podcast with Tess Fregera. It's a podcast designed to bring awareness on intended or unintended crimes against humanity, how we can rise above it, claim our divine inheritance, and return the soul power to the people. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Soul Power to the People podcast. My name is Tess Frigera. This is such a special interview for me. As you know, I I always um, mention my mom because my mom gave me the gift of contrast uh, ever since I was a little girl. Um, If there was any contention in my adult life, in my relationship with her, it's all about sickness and getting better. And she didn't want to hear anything when it came to medications or getting her off medication. But I knew as a child that if she hadn't gotten better all throughout my life, then something was not working, right? I knew of the con without really understanding it. I just know it intuitively. And I also know it from observation, And I just knew it didn't work because she was constantly battling with her own health. And language, such as medication is my life, is something that she constantly uh, affirmed to herself, right? And then I got into coaching and other things. But these are things that I just knew. It was a gift of contrast that I would be forever grateful to my mother, except she's no longer here. And she succumbed to the messaging out there that there is something outside of you that will fix you. And that is a total con and a total lie. And Caitlin will show us how she emerged victorious from a debilitating uh, illness. And she's gonna share with us her journey back to health, back to wholeness, back to healing. Because really this, podcast here is about returning the soul power to the people and you have the power already inside of you so please join me in welcoming Caitlin welcome to soul power to the people podcast thank you Tess I'm really excited to be here and and have this conversation and I'm also really proud of you for taking on some of the tough subjects that we need to talk about now that are really important Uh, it's so humbling it's so exciting for me to be with a soul-powered leader like yourself talking about this because they really want to push us in a corner, trapping us into powerlessness. And we say, uh-uh. No way. No way. <laughs> uh-uh, no way. <laughs> Hopefully we have more and more people willing and able and courageous and bold to talk about how are we going to take this and create a life that is really exciting and magnificent for all of us because that I believe is our divine inheritance and it is up to us to make that our reality. So Caitlin, you were holding a book, Empowered Health and Wellness. Yeah, this is my book. I wanted to read something out of here, but before I do, I just wanted to say my mom and your mom were in the same generation. Mm -hmm. And my mom, I don't even know how many medications she had. She had a long list. And I remember I would see commercials on TV. You know, they shifted all the commercials to pharmaceuticals. I don't know when. There were always subliminal messages in there. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I remember looking at it and going, I bet my mom will see this and she'll go and ask her doctor for it. And, I felt, <laughs> and, and she did. And, and I felt like that was this, how they started programming people towards number one, pharmaceuticals, but also towards disease. They'd say, these are the symptoms. Then the person would go, oh, I have those symptoms. I must have that disease. Mm-hmm. So I felt like that was like always there in, the, in people who are watching mainstream media or mainstream news were always being programmed by the pharmaceutical companies. My mom passed, oh, two years ago in the next month. You know, I believe that I watched her, you know, her memory was really good, but there were things that she'd forget. And, and I always felt like the pharmaceutical drugs were doing that. Because they had so many different combinations of things that they were giving people. They'd give people something for a side effect. You know, there was always this layering of drugs. And my mom had the same philosophy. I can't get off of this or I'll die. Right. Yeah, she did. Was that true for you? Was that true for me? Mm -hmm. Was medication the one thing that saved your life? Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) I had two experiences where I had medical mistakes that happened to me that almost cost me my life. The first one was in 1985, and that really laid the groundwork for me to have a cautious understanding of medicine. So I was cautious about what I was hearing. And there is a a part of me that is a rebel. I always would question everything. So when it came to some of the things that they wanted to do, like even mammograms, pap smears, all that kind of thing that they wanted to do to women, I was like, no. And it, because I listen to my body, and it, it's always been that way, that my body will give me the information if I'm open to listening to it. Mm-hmm. So, and that's what I wanted to read out of here. It's just a paragraph of my philosophy about health and, how, and healing. We, we have in our consciousness a personal doctor who is an expert on what's going on in our unique body. This consciousness is aware of what our body needs to heal itself from disease, discomfort, and illness that we encounter. The key to discovering this, what I call the inner physician, is twofold. First, you must understand that miracles happen all the time. And second, you must learn to trust yourself and your your body's ability to return to homeostasis. When we do that, we can tap into that inner power and become partners with our health. So then when you're partners with your inner physician and health is your goal, then you, you can choose a team of people to work with that support that. Correct. And I think that that's the missing piece is to find people who are going to support what you want to do in terms of getting healthy. Right. There's a meme going around right now. I captured it on my phone, but my phone is somewhere else. And it's a conversation between a doctor and a patient. And the doctor is saying, well, you're sick because of your diet. And then the woman or the patient asked, well, then should I change my diet? And the doctor said, no, you don't have to. Here's a pill. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) And I laugh because that is so true. No, uh, here's a pill for the side effect and that side effect. Here's another pill. And and you were saying earlier, and I remember also going to the doctor because I have a golf size thing in my uterus and they kept wanting me to come back and come back every three months, every six months and pap smear and scan and all that biopsy. I had young children at the time. And I remember I was going deep 
depressed. I kept thinking of what would happen, what would happen to my kids if something were to happen to me. And finally, I said, that's it. That's enough. It's the doctors that's making me depressed, not whatever that growth was. They prescribed me so many things and I couldn't, because of my relationship with my mom, I couldn't take the prescription, even if it meant saving my life. I just couldn't. Mm-hmm. I was a rebel like you. I started dancing. I started doing something different. And then when I came back to the doctor, I said, oh, good. You're feeling better. You're... I filled the prescription, but I never took it. I, I mm-hmm. couldn't uh, take yeah. the prescription. You have quite a journey here. You were a psychotherapist for 26 years. You also say here in your bio that you are a mesa carrier in the Peruvian medicine tradition, culture carrier in the Mapuche medicine tradition of Chile, peacekeeper in the Cherokee tradition. Wow. And then we met uh, as as business owners in in, uh, networking. How did you get involved in the medicine tradition in the Peruvian, in Chile, in the Cherokee tradition? So so that goes back to um, the first really serious medical issue I had, which was in um, in 1985. And Mm -hmm. I I had a bowel obstruction. Mm-hmm. which was caused by a twist in my intestine. And I went, I went to the um, emergency room and the pain was so bad that I ended up on the floor. And when the doctor came in, she said, what are you doing on the floor? Get up. I'm, I, I said, well, I, I'm in so much pain, I can't stand up. And she said, well, it's just gas, go home. And so I went home, I did labor breathing and this was before, this was my wake up, my awakening, because something told me the pain was a lot like labor, only it was like all the time. So I was having these labor pain kind of things. And so something told me to do labor breathing. I did labor breathing for almost three days. That it's interesting because what that did for just that breathing, which I was constantly doing because I was in constant pain. It shut all of my elimination systems down, which was a godsend because sometime over that weekend, I had made another call to the emergency room and they prescribed a uh, laxative. And if it would have worked, my intestines would have exploded. But it didn't, but it didn't work because it was, I had shut it all down through breathing. Um, I ended up having two feet of my intestine removed because it was dead by the time they got to it. And the doctor told me that if they would have found it right away the first time I went in, they could have saved my intestine. And so I, I talked to my regular doctor, and this is the kind of thing that happens, I think, all the time. He said, you have a malpractice suit here, but you, you, you'd never win it because doctors don't stand up against each other. They stick together. Wow. Mm-hmm. After the surgery, I think it was like eight hours, I woke up in the, in the ICU. And the first thing I said to my now ex-husband was I want a divorce. Because I was, I was laying there and I was thinking, I'm here, I have a purpose here. And, you know, and this is coming out of, a, I was just, you know, a regular person kind of sleeping through life. And I woke up and something just said to me, you're here for a bigger reason. And it's not to be in this marriage that is not good for you. So I asked for a divorce. So I ended up getting divorced and going to school to, to become a therapist. That whole thing started this ball rolling about 
my wake up. Mm-hmm. And I was interested in indigenous spiritual practices. That's that was the the place where I landed. I studied with different medicine people. You know, I was able to really learn about energy, just different what different healing techniques. When you said so a culture a culture carrier is a is a medicine drum. And I, I learned through a medicine carrier, a drum carrier. I have mine sitting here and it's it's like a bowl. And so it's a woman's drum. It, it's a bowl, like a womb. And inside is all kinds of like coins and stones and different things like that. It's used for healing ceremonies. The, the healing ceremony is called a machi tune. And the machi mm-hmm. tune is done with a group of people and, and using the drum and other instruments. So... I have training in sound healing too. And the other, the Mesa carrier, the Mesa is, um, it's like a little medicine altar that you can carry with you. And it's in a folded cloth and it holds all your um, sacred healing tools and stones and gifts that you've gotten from your teachers. And you use that for healing. So like if I was working on somebody, I'd have my Mesa open underneath the table just to hold the healing energy. That totally makes sense. And I've, I've uh, experienced maybe not exactly the same way, you know, some drumming and, and that. And, and you can yeah. feel the vibration. You can feel the purity of the intention yep. when you actually shut the mind down yep. and actually listen yep. and, and be with the energy of it. And it's, it's always been fascinating because, you know, when you're, uh, I'm from the Philippine culture, yeah, and and being introduced to different cultures, sometimes it's you know there there's an immediate knee jerk reaction to oh my god what is that you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when we shut that down or relax into openness and acceptance, mm-hmm. even honoring of other people's traditions, there's always that expansion of right. that consciousness that you were talking about from your right. book. That consciousness then um, becomes something else and turns to something else. It's it's a beautiful process when we can learn to relax the mind and, yes. and open up to the bigger things in life. Like go, go to your heart. <laughs> yeah, go go to our heart. Yeah, yeah. So so that's really interesting. You had that. So you, but you never sued them. No, for uh, the malpractice. I ended up being a single parent. I just didn't have the energy to fight some big system like that. I was in oh. school, I was raising kids, and it was, yeah, it was really a hard time in my life. Mm-hmm. And um, just him saying that, you know, kind of shut the door for me because I just didn't have it in me to, to fight a big system. Right. And, I, and I believe that happens a lot because I have, I have a permanent issue now with my intestine. I don't, I don't absorb B12, so I have to take it separately. And I have some permanent issues because they didn't save that piece of intestine when they should have. I look at the whole journey of that bowel obstruction was a transformation for me because it really set me on a different path than, than what I was on. Oh, so at the same time, I start, I, I was looking at the earth-based religions because I'm really connected with earth. That, so that made really, it made a lot of sense to me. And then I also started studying about herbs and natural medicines and really incorporating them into my life. So it's probably been 30 some year journey for me. What I'm hearing from you is it's both a blessing. It's a, it's a blessing in disguise. Yep. 
Yep. So what could have happened if the medical malpractice didn't happen? What, what could have happened if it did happen? If it didn't happen. Then I would have been, okay, they could have saved my intestine instead of having to remove a big piece of it. The, what, the issue that I had, 99% of people who had it at that time would die. Mm. So and I was I was really lucky to have had them find the problem, even if it took three days, if me being sick, because it could have killed me. Right. And it would have not given you all the wisdom that you are now sharing with people. Yeah. My, that's, my whole book is about, the one I held up is about all the different healing um, things that I've had to go through. My body has been my biggest teacher. And it's not that I'm a sick person. I've just had really strange things happen to me that I had to heal. It's been my biggest teacher in terms of creating transformational events in a way through my body. And I see every one, every one of them. Some of them I didn't see until later, but most of the time when I'm in something, I know that there's a bigger purpose for it. Right. Right now I'm going through something similar. Back in December, I did a dance performance. So I was pushing myself a little bit. I was yeah. I was doing that. I was moving. I was there were so many things that I was doing on a physical level. But I was yeah. pushing myself physically. And so if I and then I also lost my dog. So there was some grief emotion right. trapped in my body. So I could feel uh, my neck really tensing up and then it would affect my back and lower back. And I could understand that. But the past couple or three weeks of deep freeze in Minnesota yeah. had me hibernating, really sedentary almost, you know, just yeah. on my chair, yeah. reading a book, journaling, typing up some content, doing my work, sitting down. I had to cancel my dance Saturday because I woke up with pain. I'm like, why am I waking up with pain when I hardly did nothing? <laughs> so I can I can process it mentally when I was busy pushing, pushing, pushing. Mm -hmm. Okay, I deserve that. Okay, let's take a pause, do some chiropractic healing, get some massage. But from not doing anything, oh come on! If I'm gonna be in pain, it it better be worth it. <laughs> <laughs> So, but I refuse to take Tylenol. I refuse to take analgesic. That just, yeah. I'm reading a lot of things that these things are just not, you know, they're, they're band-aid yeah. solution. And so I'm well, taking that as, as a message from my body. Hey, there's yeah, something yeah. obstructing the flow of energy here. Yeah. Right. So, well, and, and I learned early on in my healing journey that, when I could get into the present moment about what was happening, even if it was painful, it could shift. And I, I, I could, I've experienced miracles because of getting back into the present moment and going, okay, I am, I'm in pain right now. I, I, and to be totally embracing that, just be okay that that's what your present moment is right now is pain and not writing a story about it or making it about something. Mm -hmm. But just honoring your body in the fact that it's in pain. And so one of the miracles that I had was I ended up with, my gallbladder was full of um, tumors. They weren't, they were benign, but it was, it was filled with tumors. And I was having gallbladder attacks like every time I ate. 
And this went on for a long time because I, I was adamant about keeping my body parts, basically. And so I told the doctor, you can't have my gallbladder. I'm going to keep it. She goes, you'll be back in a month. I said, no, I won't. I had the, I went, you know, tried all kinds of things. You know, I was like doing all kinds of crazy things that, that would come into my mind, like taping um, crystals onto my gallbladder. And I just, just things that, you know, just came to me that would seem like it might be healing, right? I got to this place, it was like a holiday weekend. And my daughter said, mom, just go have your gallbladder out. It's no big deal. And I said, well, I don't want to. I want to keep it. It's part of my body. And it's got an important function. I think it was that night I, I went to sleep and I had a dream and these angelic beings came in and did surgery on me, on my gallbladder. Um, and I remember in the dream reaching down like this and I could feel the stitches. I woke up and that, this was like 15 years ago. I've never had a gallbladder attack since. Wow. And I think it was because I just let go and I was like, okay, if, if that's what my body needs, I'll go and have it taken out. So it was just, you know, coming into that present moment point with what was going on and being okay. And being okay and not making, not creating stories. Yeah. Like, what's wrong with me? Is God punishing me? Those are the things that... <laughs> There's all kinds of, like, why me? So there, that was another one where it, here, you can create miracles in your body if you listen. Mm -hmm. So I, like um, yeah. I want to emphasize that if... Uh, if we can shift our thinking, our thoughts, our focus mm -hmm. in from disempowerment to from victimization, from what is wrong with me to how can I create miracles through my body? How can I open right. up? Right. How can I be a manifestation of God? Isn't right. that amazing? That just it is. That shift. And and it's really hard when you're in physical pain mm -hmm. because you have to be there to embrace it. And it's, mm -hmm. it's like, I don't want to be sitting here in pain, mm -hmm. but, it, and, and I've learned this over and over again. If you can get back into the present moment with what's going on, it'll shift. Mm -hmm. So and, um, and the other big, big piece to my healing journey has been my artwork. And I, because I'm a visionary artist, so that's how um, spirit speaks to me. And so my image is not only are, are healing for me because I'm bringing something forward that I didn't see before. And now it's right in front of me to, to reveal something to me. That was, a, that's been a big part of my transformation and my spirituality because it's just take, taken me forward just by the, through the images that was really, really present throughout this journey that I had with my heart which is probably the biggest initiation I've had in my life. It, you know, we can, we can talk about that because there was a bunch of things that happened there that shouldn't have happened. <laughs> well, like what? Like what? Well, so I had um, in 2016, March of 2016, I had the first heart attack of five. Mm -hmm. And then I had open heart surgery. The first, the, the first heart attack was interesting because the day, and I, I must get a lot of information in my dreams because the night before I had this dream and it was these angelic beings again, and they, they brought sacred geometry to me and put it inside my body. So they, they put, uh, you know, the six pointed star. Mm -hmm. It's about, it's about balancing masculine and feminine. It's about wholeness. So they put that in my heart, that symbol. 
And then they, they put the vesica Pisces, which is like two circles like this in my womb. And so the next day I was doing laundry and I went down to get the laundry out of my, my dryer and it was on fire. And so I ran up the stairs at the top of the stairs. I had the, had a heart attack. And I, so I have a regular heart attack, but I also had a, what's called a stress-induced cardiomyopathy, which is also known as broken heart syndrome. So anyway, I knew in that moment that this was a higher thing because of what happened to me in the dream the night before, that I was like, okay, there's something really big going on here. Um, I didn't know it was going to turn into an epic, but <laughs> it did. They ended up putting two stents in my heart in the artery. And the second heart attack that I had was in, in a hospital in Austria mm-hmm. where nobody spoke English. And I was in the hospital for a week, not able to communicate with anybody, but um, the doctor who did the cath that where they go up and um, open up your arteries. He said to me that I was allergic to the medication on the stents and that's why I closed. When I got back to the United States, and he said, I'm not putting any more stents in your heart. I'm working on your behalf. I've never had a doctor say that before. So when I got back and had my um, follow-up with the cardiologist, I told him that, and he said, no, that never happens. That's impossible. He basically said that the doctors in Europe don't know what, to, what they're talking about. So I, I had another heart attack. I was having them every four months. Wow. So, I, uh, so I would recover. And then I have a heart attack and recover and have a heart attack. Um, And it was so, I mean, it was really hard. Um, I remember when I had the third one, I said to my daughter, I don't think I can do this anymore. It was so hard, you know, to recover. And that took four months. And then to have another heart attack, I still have sadness around this. And so they put three more stents in my heart. And they they all ended up closing. And so when I had the fourth heart attack, my artery was ruined, and they couldn't they couldn't do anything but bypass do a bypass. Because and so I looked on Boston Scientific's website. That's who the stents were made by, and they said it's a rare um, side effect, but it does happen that if you're allergic to the medication, your artery will close. So that was one of them. They gave me, they put me on five medications and it's like everybody who has a heart attack gets these five medications. And so I said to the doctor, how long do I have to be on these? And she goes, well, for the rest of your life. And I said, not my life. I'm getting off of them. The first one I got off of was statins. I was, I think I was on them a week and my, my hands closed up like this. It was so much pain. I couldn't open my, up my hands. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't drive. My daughter drove me to the emergency room. They checked me out and they did all these tests and they said, well, we can't find anything wrong. And I said, take me off the damn statins. Well, we can try that. That pain that I had in my hands migrated through my whole body because I was allergic to the, the statins. I was off the statins, but this whole, the whole three and a half years that I went through this heart journey, every time I'd see a doctor, they'd say, you got to go on statins. And I fought against that. I fought because I'm not going to do that to my body. And I had one um, doctor come into my room. I think it was after the third one, sitting on the edge of the bed. And she came. She's in there telling me I need to take statins. And I said, well, 
I had an allergic reaction to the statins and I couldn't use my hands. And she goes, well, it's either you use your hands and die or you take statins. What upsets me the most about that, Tess, is that people who aren't advocating for themselves like I do are going to just do that. And they're, they're going to take the medication because the doctor said so. And it's going to ruin their life. I've probably been off of the, all of the medication for a couple of years. And it was like every time I went to see the doctor, I'd, I'd ask them to take me off some. And I was allergic to all five of the medications they gave me. I had wow. an, an allergic response. I was on blood thinners every time I had a heart attack. And they were terrible. I was really um, allergic to them. And I bruised up all over. Um, it was just, it was really hard. They, they made a lot of mistakes. And the, the stint one, where I was alert to the stints, any one of those heart attacks that I had could have killed me. Mm-hmm. Because they had, do, they had done an intervention that wasn't good for my body. Right. And so, isn't that interesting that they didn't even listen to the doctor in no, Europe? No. They, they wouldn't listen to me. My friend took me to the, the first appointment because it was only like, I'd been back in the country for a couple of days. I was still not in the best place. I'd had a, my second heart attack. And I fought with this doctor for 15 minutes. He just kept coming at me. And I kept saying, no, I'm not going to do this to my body. Most people don't have, you know, you're, when you're sick, advocating for yourself and fighting for yourself is really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, he wouldn't let up. So I think it was the third heart attack. I, so I told when we left, I told my friend, I'm never going to see that doctor again. I'm done with him. Third heart attack. I was in the cath lab. One of the nurses said, Dr. Jermal will be in in a minute. And I went, oh, shit. I said, I better turn this around really fast and be okay with him doing this or something bad's going to happen <laughs> because he was the doctor. He was the doctor that I never wanted to see again. And he's the one that put three stents in my heart. Wow. I'm off all medication. I've substituted herbs for, for everything and, and specific vitamins. Because the other issue, my first heart attack was, called, was caused by something called elevated LPA. It's, and it's, apparently it's hereditary. And it's a protein that's in your blood that sticks together. It's like, like Velcro. And so it causes these obstructions in your arteries. And I had no idea that I had that because they don't talk about it in the United States because they don't have a pharmaceutical drug to treat it. So people um, who have it, most of the time, people will have a heart attack. The first one, they'll just drop over dead. I, I thought about that too. Every time I was with a doctor, they'd say, no, we don't, we don't treat that in the United States. It was one of the first things they looked for in Europe. They did a specific blood test for, for that. Wow. Mm-hmm. What were you doing in Europe having a heart attack? <laughs> what was I doing besides having a heart attack? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was um, at a month-long painting seminar. I'm learning a, a Renaissance painting technique with oil and egg tempera. So I've, I've gone to um, Europe for three times, and then I was in Bali doing the same thing. So I was, I was at um, a, this seminar when I had the heart attack. I had to go by ambulance. It was like um, an hour away. So I was away. I was away from my group, 2,000, 3,000 miles away from my family. No internet. 
it was like, and I was in a room with two women. It was like a ward and nobody spoke English. Wow. Mm-hmm. And of course, I can, I can imagine you having that experience of a lifetime and having already written a book, right? Mm-hmm. You've already mm-hmm. written a book. Yeah. And so you already know the foundations of the inner physician you wrote about. Yeah, I, I used my own book as a study guide. <laughs> that, that's what I was thinking. And here yeah. you are in a foreign country without access to anyone. And you're only really processing using your own resources. How yep. Yep. amazing is that? Well, if, you know, people say to me, that must have been terrifying. I went into my resources right away and I had my journal with me. So I was able to journal, but at the only thing in that room that I understood was a clock and it was at the foot of my bed. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm like, God, I got to do something. Cause I can't stare at that for six days and watch the minutes tick by. I decided two things. I was going to make this whole situation into a comedy and my roommates were part of the comedy. And, I, and so I'd write these little things about what was going on from a standpoint of, of being really funny. And the other thing was I wanted to explore what it, how you communicate with somebody when you don't have language. Mm. When you can't understand a language, you're looking for all kinds of other things. For example, when I think it was the first day I was there, it was like hot. It was like in the 90s in the hospital. And I had my bare feet over the edge of my bed. And the woman who was in the middle between this me and this other woman, probably about nine years old, she walks by my bed with her walker and she does piggy little piggies on each of my toes. <laughs> and you know what? It, it just was like, I had my grandmother here. It was uh, like all those little kinds of things, little subtle things were so comforting to me when I couldn't understand anything. Right. It could have been a very terrifying experience, but you mm-hmm. had an inner knowing how to turn it around yeah. how how you really master your mind to make yeah. the situation work for you rather than against you rather than be a victim right. of it because right. you, you could have complained about the whole I thing I could have gone whole... nuts I could have gone crazy <laughs> but wow, I, I, I also have, but I've also come at, at all of these things as this is there's something for my benefit here and I knew that there was a reason this was happening on a soul level mm-hmm. and that, that something really amazing would come out of it. And it did. I mean, I'm not the same person I was six years ago. I'm a totally different person. The whole journey with my heart was to get me there and keep me there in my heart versus spinning around in my head. There was so many layers. I, I, I did write another book about the heart journey and all the things that I did because both of my books have concrete things that you can do mm-hmm. and so I I'm I pulled the one off um that I wrote about my heart because I want to do some more work on it um, but I also wrote a kid's book this one teaches little kids how to find their inner physician wow so that you know they can do that early on mm-hmm. you know know the concept of having this part of your body that knows how to heal if only everyone could really get into that message because what are we doing to the kids now? We're masking them. We're giving them them the jab. (laughs) Right. 
so this is really a crime against humanity when kids grow up never knowing that they really have everything inside of them. Yeah. And I love your whole story here. You're demonstrating that if we can shift from the fear-based mind yeah. into an inner knowing, into an inner wisdom, into an yeah. inner calm, where we can access our resources. Right. And make better a situation that would have otherwise have been devastating. Yeah. With your obstructed bowel, that 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 was the what I'm hearing is the theme is, is to just be quiet and just breathe, 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 yeah. get, yeah. get in the present moment with yeah. your experience in um, your heart attacks. That is a horrifying journey, but you defied the messaging. Yeah. Either this or that. Right. It was really hard because I had PTSD, medical PTSD for probably two years of that of because because I every time I'd have a pain that was anywhere near my heart I'd freak out mm -hmm. and so this really brought me to a really fine point of trust because mm -hmm. every just working my way through that and getting out of the response a trauma response showed me that all I had to do was trust my body yeah like I said if um we can get that message to the children mm -hmm. that they too have so much power yep. waiting to be accessed, waiting to be harnessed. Right. right. I mean, imagine if we, when we were children, we learned that. Mm -hmm. Half of what we get sick from when we wouldn't get sick. Oh, no. Uh, what <laughs> happens if we go against the narrative? What yeah. happens if we go against the medical intervention? We are right. literally assaulted. We are yep. literally attacked. We are gaslighted into thinking we're crazy. Right. But this is where we need to go is to accept that we are so much more than the messaging out there. Right. Well, I knew because I've had so many allergic responses to pharmaceutical drugs because my body is so sensitive to them <laughs> to have all these issues with my heart. I'm going natural before I'm going to go pharmaceutical. Right. That now is a is becoming criminal. People are being censored. I hear people saying, don't trust your immune system. And that <laughs> just blows my mind. And that's because we've been poisoned into believing that, like even right. the sun is working against it's, us. It's right. ridiculous how they've dumbed down consciousness. Exactly. Um, to create this dependency on medical intervention that doesn't, it's, it's not a cookie cutter for everyone. It's not at all. I mean, everybody's body is different. We really have to learn how to trust what our body is saying. If it says no, you don't do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No is no. And it doesn't matter what other people think. I, I'm personally making decisions based on what I know for my body and what my higher self, my soul, whoever it is, is telling me, don't do it. Right, right. And, and so it's it's all about trust. And I, I think that's a big issue for everybody. Um, when you have all this outside noise to really trust what you're getting. Well, let's break that down. Let's break that down. When it comes to trust, what's really going on when we don't trust anybody or anything or even God? Mm-hmm. Is because we really are not trusting ourselves. 
Right. Exactly. And, and so and how do we develop that trust within ourselves when everything, like you could have easily, except your body was rejecting everything that the doctor was giving you. Yeah. But you could have easily, because it's so much simpler, so much easier to just give in and say, okay, give me the damn drugs. Yeah, exactly. Except your body was rejecting it. Right. My body was re re rejecting everything that the medical interventions that they wanted to do. You had no other choice, really, but to trust yourself. But isn't it, that the higher invitation? Yes. Yeah. And, and that's and we do not learn. We don't learn to trust ourselves when we're children. At least when I was growing up, nobody. It was always don't do that. Don't do that. When you wanted to do something, it was all no. Don't do that. You know. So layer upon layer of not trusting you know and then you get into adulthood and things like this pandemic happen and who are you supposed to trust yeah no you one. gotta listen to, you gotta listen to your heart yeah you, you really you really gotta listen to yourself it's a catch 2020 is that the, the saying yeah, you're 22 damn if you do uh uh -huh. damn, Mm -hmm. If you don't, but that really is the learning here for us to step into our power, right. for us to reconnect to our souls, our soul power. You got to learn to trust yourself. Right. Well, and I, you know, I, I respect the decisions that people have made throughout of this, out this, because I don't know what their journey has been, mm -hmm. you know, and their journey has taken them to the point where they make a decision. Mm -hmm. And and I honor people's people have soul contracts. It doesn't matter what decision I made or what decision you made. It was the right one for me. Mm -hmm. I like the the meme. A, a butterfly cannot talk caterpillar language. Right. Have you seen that? It's yeah. like no matter what you 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 just yeah. have to uh, a hold space for the caterpillar to go through the deconstruction. Yeah. Yep. Um, of its chrysalis and 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 knowing that hey, I've been through that darkness. Right. And it's different for everyone. And it's different from everyone. And I, I believe that's how we can hold space right now. Yep. Knowing what we've gone through. It was dark. It was it was painful. It was ugly. Going yeah. through that darkness alone, like feeling like there's no one else. And then you emerge through the light. And then here you are with all these butterflies welcoming you, right? Because they've been there too, and you've been there, and yeah, we all, no judgment. There's so much compassion yep. because you've been through, and in you, no one else can go through that journey the way right. you did. You know, you you had to go through that by yourself. Yeah, you, know, you know, and it's your inner knowing that is going to guide you through that. Right. Like everyone is going to be an enemy, right? But then when you emerge out of that darkness into the light, it's the most beautiful thing. Right. So us soul-powered leaders, we have a vision. You're a visionary. Mm -hmm. What do you see is in the future? Well, I, I always take this higher perspective about what's going to happen in the future based on the shifting of the ages. So we, we're coming out of the, the age of Pisces, which was about... Um, the patriarchy and male, the male energy dominating. And we're moving into the age of Aquarius. 
And when you move from one age to another, there's a point where shit hits the fan. And because everything has to shift in terms of moving into this new level of understanding. Well, I'm kind of excited about what's happening because it means that we're we're moving in the right direction, watching things kind of fall apart and watching um, all the chaos because it's out of the chaos is going to come something beautiful, I think. And I I don't know exactly how that's going to look, but I would I would hope that it's more unified more equality the masculine and the feminine energy are coming together versus one dominating the other that's happening in men and women it's not just about women rising up it's about that energy of the feminine rising up so to to meet the masculine and and so it's we're more balanced um things are more equitable what we're seeing now is like the extreme that it's way on the other side. Mm-hmm. But I feel, because I, I feel it inside of me that we're shifting in the right direction. Me too. It was mm-hmm. scary at some point last year. Well, when we had riots, for example. Oh my God, yeah. That was horrible. <laughs> we were practically neighbors, right? We, it yeah. was happening in both our backyards. It but, was horrible. Yeah, yeah to, to, to witness it, to be in that space. Yeah. And uh, you've written a book. I've written so many things about the awakening and, and such. Yep. And I'm like, why is this happening in my experience? <laughs> this is not what I signed up for. Well, I, 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 th- I thought more people were awakened at this time. <laughs> and why I, are they um, buying into this lies and, and propaganda? It, it was really hard for me to process. Just like your whole journey back to health, it's it's really about okay. You already know this. Well, you know? and being present with yourself. Yeah, being present. Because when when I'm present with myself, I'm not pulled any direction. I'm like right in the middle of what's going on, and um, so I haven't had much fear throughout this whole thing because I've been able to. Um, well, I think because of the journey I went through the three years before really prepared me for for being in what we're in now and made it easier in a way um the hardest part for me has been um my kids the issues that we've had that's been the thing that's pulled me out of my center so many times right but for the most part i feel like i've been just being with myself and asking myself what do i need now i'm with you uh, when it comes to children too like Mm -hmm. When it comes to fear, my biggest fear was already, it already happened. I already lost my mom. I already lost my children to indoctrination, Mm -hmm. right? They they called Mm -hmm. me fascist. They called me racist. They called me anti-science. They called me so many names in the book. Just because I was speaking out and questioning, hey, wait a minute. Because my belief is my belief that we are all God, expressions of God. Yep. As human. Mm -hmm. Um, They... They cannot take that away from us. It's our God-given right and inheritance. But on the flip side, it's their right to be where they are, you know, Mm -hmm. and 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 seeing us the way they see us. It's just where they're at. Exactly. It doesn't have have anything to do with me. Mm -hmm. No, not at all. And so, yeah, when that lesson, though, very humbling. Very hard. Very humbling. 
Yes. You know, I raised these children all by myself for, you know, same. <laughs> sacrifice my whole life for them, blah, 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 blah. All those, you yep. know, had to remove that identity and personality, anything that is identified by yeah. my children. And really, just like your message, um, is to really just go back to the core of it all. Yeah. And I think all of us who've gone through that are wiser for it. And I don't think anybody could have gone through the last two years and not been transformed in some way. Yeah. And and this transformation happening on a personal level and happening right. on a collective level, it's what's going to transform how yeah. we experience life in the future. We don't know what that looks like, but I think your heart, my heart, it's all really just desiring authentic joy mm -hmm. yeah, and authentic exactly. connection. Yep. And none of this mind fuck. Exactly. <laughs> none of it. Yeah, because once you get involved in that mind games, you're dead, really. Um, you've, you've, mm -hmm. you've sold your soul. Um, you're forever in debt to a society that is creating sick people. I'm hoping that's going to change because, like, for myself, um, I'm in a training for the last year learning more about herbs. I've used them for a long, long time, but really learning how I can use them for healing. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of, you know, I, I have a garden every year. And I think people are going back to those things because we have nature has our medicine. Mm -hmm. We don't need to have pharmaceutical intervention when we have what we need in nature right very nicely said and we have we have everything we need in nature and nature is us and we are it, it, it's like whatever is in earth we already have inside of us yeah. whatever is in god we already have inside of us but if we are not listening and if we are not present to what is emerging from each and one of us yeah then we disconnect from the truth right we disconnect from trust. So any last words from you, Caitlin? Well, I think, I think the biggest journey that everybody would benefit from is learning how to get back into your heart. Mm -hmm. um, because that really is, is your guidance system. It's, you know, it's your soul. It's connected to source. And that's where you can really be in touch with what you need. And I think most people, like you said, caught up in the mind, it's really hard to find out what you need. <laughs> Right. There's so much coming from outside of us that could be really distracting. I, I think the journey is right here. Going back to nature, checking out the herbs again. Um, yeah. it, it's, it's a big uh, adjustment. You know, however you did your journey is, is different for everyone, yeah. although it's kind of similar. The, right. Similar in the sense that we're always returning to our true self. Right. How do people find out more about your work, your art, your the medicine woman? We hardly touch on the medicine woman itself. <laughs> <laughs> That's because it is just part of me. It's who I am. Uh -huh. And, you know, I used my medicine to heal, basically. Everything that I've learned and everything. I, I think we come in from other lifetimes with these gifts built in mm -hmm. and, and at some point they get activated my like my art I, I've been an artist before in, and I've been an herbalist before and whatever um, so I have a web gallery where, where people can look at my art and it's uh, 
mariahvisionaryartist.com. I have my own publishing company and my publishing website is mystic and it's spelled M-I-S-T, like stick, mystickpublishing.com. And I have all my books there. So, so I have three children's books and a meditation deck that I created probably 25 years ago about the goddess. So I've been working with the feminine energy for a long time, probably 30 years. There's two, there's three kids books and two alternative health books. Mm-hmm. Are you going to write a book on herbs? Yeah, I've been creating I've your been, own healing solves and yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to do something pretty simple. Um, because I want it to be more about teaching people. So it'll be part journal and then part information so that people can really get in touch with the herbs for themselves. It's easy to read about them, but to really take it in. Like I'm drawing now all botanical um, drawings of each herb. And that's really pulled me into a a deeper level with the herbs because um, I'm just like with them, painting them, and really getting to know them at a really deep level. Yeah. And do you have products like the ointments? I know you have some of those. Is that something that you're going to continue to do? And yeah. Carry? Yeah. I'm going to keep my, my, my pines. My pine sap is really a powerful formula that I made up. I've seen amazing healing with people that have used it. So that one is going to be one I do all the time. I finished a bunch of tinctures. I probably have 20, but it, I haven't really gotten a website uh, off the ground for the herbs. So in the future sometime. Yeah. Yeah. In I the present it. moment, I don't have a book. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you have anything for neck pain? <laughs> yeah. That's sad that I'm just telling you about <laughs> Really? Yes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to take it offline then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to hear about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm really new into this exploration into natural. I wouldn't say alternative, but they they are the real medicine yeah. natural before, medicine. before uh the pharmaceutical hijacked our health right. and well-being. Yeah, And coming from an accountant to this, opening up to a, a whole dimension of us, not just the physical dimension mm-hmm. of us. Mm-hmm. It's really such a wonderful journey to experience all of ourselves in this yes. lifetime. It's, it's really magical. It and is. so to the audience, um, don't limit yourself to what you see, to what you perceive yourself or what you think others perceive you as, you, who you are is so much more magical, so much it sure is. amazing than any of that. And I wish our children would know this truth from yeah. this moment. Um, otherwise, you know, cosmic two by fours, always there, <laughs> hitting us in the head until yeah. we return. <laughs> I'd rather believe in miracles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we we really are miracles walking. We are. This earth. We yeah. are miracles walking on this earth. That can be a long miracle or you can accept it right now and make it happen. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so amazing to have you, Caitlin. And, Thank you. And, uh, you're such an inspiration to really go 
beyond our training, you know, beyond what, how our parents trained us to be yeah. and, and really uh, embracing more aspects of ourselves because we were infinite beings. We have infinite yeah. expressions yeah. and it really depends on your openness and allowance to make manifest all the medley, magical aspects of you and exactly. bring it to life. And just like Caitlin here, she's, <laughs> she's got so much magic in her. And thank you for being the warrior that you are. You're for welcome. Being, for being the goddess that you are. Thanks thank everyone for joining us. God bless everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Soul Power to the People podcast with Tess Vergara. We can no longer be the spectators of our own destruction. Take back your mind, take back your voice, take back your soul, take back your power. Join me again next time for the next episode of Soul Power to the People.